My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too. Hi friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite the passion in people's hearts to spread God's love throughout the world. Today, my friends, you don't wanna miss today's interview. It's gonna be a fiery time. I have a special guest that I'm gonna be talking to that has been through a miraculous recovery. He actually literally was in a firebomb. You're not gonna believe this story. Let me tell you about my friend, Mike Kinney. The budding guitarist and worship leader was just 17 years old when a car accident left him with a traumatic brain injury and severe burns covering 30% of his body. But on the night of that fateful accident, Mike's truck exploded and he fought for his life. Jesus himself showed up on the scene to save him. Mike, thank you so much for coming on Annie's Pink Chair. I'm so excited to be speaking with you, but I'm more excited for you to tell your special story about recovering from that crazy accident. And first of all, how did this even happen? I mean, we're not supposed to get in trouble when we're working for God, right? Tell me that story yeah, about finding uh, Jesus. Thanks for having me, Annie. Um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. And so, you know, how we got here is, uh, is a story of, you know, it was a journey of faith. Uh, my dad was an elder at our church, so I was always very involved in, in our local church. And uh, it wasn't until I had my car accident when I was 17 that my faith really became my own. And um, it was through this, uh, you know, this journey that I started when I was 17 that I really came to know the Lord in a different way. Wow. So do you feel like if this wouldn't have happened, your relationship might have been different had you not had this encounter. Yeah, I don't know if I would be as as reliant on him um, because so much of my faith was tied up in what I had um, had had grown up, uh, you know, in in a Christian home with my parents believing what they believe, but it wasn't really my own yet. And so until I. Uh, you know, literally went through the fire, uh, I, I don't know that I would have had the same relationship uh, with the Lord. Yeah, so tell us what happened on that fateful night. You guys just left a conference, a worship we conference, actually, or what we, was Yeah, it? we had actually just led worship. So I, uh, I led worship throughout my high school uh, years, and this would have been in 2002. I led worship for the junior high, and um, my friend Matt uh, we had hung out that day together and mowed some lawns. We, we were going to go to the Carmel football game, which is uh, my, my local school. And uh, while we're at the football game, we decided we were going to hang out that night at his parents' lake house. And so on our drive home or towards his lake house, I fell asleep at the wheel. And uh, it was about 1130 at night. So we just thought I was uh, under the weather. And uh, and we thought that's why the accident happened. But um you know, I found out later, actually two years to the day, uh, I had a second accident in the middle of the afternoon and we found out I have narcolepsy. And so that's what oh caused the first gosh. accident. Oh my gosh. So you yeah. actually had a, a, an undiagnosed disorder. 
in your brain, yes. which we all know yes. what narcolepsy is. If you all don't know, let me have you, Mike, explain to our audience what is narcolepsy. Sure. So a lot of people think it's uh, they think of the cartoons where you just you fall over and um, it can I guess it can happen like that. You could also be talking to someone, uh, you know, have your eyes open. They're talking to you and you think they're awake, but they're not awake. So uh, I like to joke with people that I, I'm pretty sure I missed half of my college classes, uh, you know, uh, because of this narcolepsy and not being diagnosed. Well, I'm making sure that you're not falling asleep right now. Are you still I'm there? not. I'm on, med I'm on medication. <laughs> we're, we're good. I'm here. <laughs> I'm just joking. So there's actually a medication for that then that can, can pe keep people aware of what's going on and they're not like they're totally aware of their surroundings and what they're doing and focus, correct? Correct. correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't... People with narcolepsy don't get the deep REM sleep that they're supposed to get. So the medicine that I take helps me get deep sleep at night. And then during the day, I take a... Uh, a stimulant essentially that helps me kind of get back up to speed with everybody else. Wow. So you have to be on these, you know, basically these miracle drugs to keep you normal. But so yes. we don't realize how blessed we are to have REM sleep, correct? Like correct. that is yeah. so important. I don't know about you, but when I dream, I dream deep. And I can remember all my dreams. Uh, going can. to okay. get rest is so good for our brain. But not only that, I mean, even Jesus taught us that, like when he needed rest, he took off and went by himself right. where nobody was around. And I can totally relate. Our phones, don't they follow us everywhere we go? It's like we can never get a break. So you were just driving, didn't realize it had narcolepsy and basically got in a car accident. And you said yeah. the, something about the truck. Was there someone you were following your friend? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was following my friend. Uh, he was driving his little red Supra in front of me. And normally we'd be going really fast down this dark country road. But he had seen a couple of police officers. So he was going the speed limit. And um, <laughs> and he saw me. Normally so as Christians, we were disobeying the law. But anyway, <laughs> right, right. we were teenagers. We were teenagers. Of and, course. Uh, of course. So anyhow, he. Uh, he saw me swerving in his rearview mirror, even though he had set the dimmer on the rearview mirror, he saw me swerving and then, uh, you know, careen off the road. And I went through a hollow tree that helped slow me down, but, um, wow. it kind of, you know, kind of exploded all over the road. And then now why was I, the tree hollow? Was it just an old rotting tree? It or? was an old rotting tree. Yep. It was, okay. uh, you know, some might say it was a coincidence, but, uh, of course with my faith, I, I believe that everything, in that night happened for a reason and uh, the way it happened sp helped spare my life. So I, I went through this tree, my, I had brush guards on the front of my truck and they kind of dug into the ground to help slow me down a little bit too. We were going at least 55 miles an hour and it, I was still going fast enough that when I hit the telephone pole, it smashed. I, I drove a 1987 Ford Ranger and those have pretty long hoods and it smashed yes. it all the way, all the way back to my dashboard and the, the dashboard collapsed on top of me. And so I was wedged underneath the dashboard and my car had caught fire. Uh, and, oh um, my and, gosh. and so I was unconscious, uh, and I had a brain injury. And so when my friend you came to the truck, do you truck, remember that at all? You don't remember not, hitting the pole? Not or? at all. No, thank, wow. thank the Lord. No, I don't have any, my last memory is, actually filling up to get gas uh, with the limited funds that I could find uh, 
you know, between myself and my friend, uh, we put about $5 of gas into my truck right before we left to head towards the lake house. Yeah. So your friend, you said he got out of the car and he walked over, obviously like, duh. I mean, who wouldn't? He's your real friend. He's going to find out is I, I, I just can't imagine what he was thinking when he saw the truck. Like, and you said it was nighttime. So it was nighttime. Really I was slumped over the seatbelt. He said he, he couldn't tell if I was uh, dead or or alive. Um, he could see the glow of fire on my face. He said it was like sitting across from somebody at a campfire. And um, and he tried to open the uh, the passenger door because the driver do- driver's side was so mangled. It was mm-hmm. locked. So he tried to punch through the window. He tried to kick through the window, but the dew had set. So ran back over to the driver's side and he said it was like uh, the door just opened. He barely touched it and the door opened. Wow. Um, and so anyhow, pulled on me for about five or six minutes be- before a passerby came down the road and uh so matt left me hanging from the truck um uh, again i was wedged and underneath this truck and by this point matt had burned his my friend matt had burned his own arm trying to get me out of the truck oh my gosh and uh and so he leaves me hanging from the truck and runs to the road and this this passerby doesn't stop he drives around him and my, you know, so my friend's like, you've got to be kidding me. So he runs back to the truck and I guess come to find out a, a group of people had started to gather and everybody was just standing there watching me burning in this truck. And, mm-hmm. um, and this passerby wow. had stopped his car. He got out of it and he basically said, Hey, are you guys just gonna, is anybody going to help? And everybody just kind of was staring. And so he ran towards the truck, ran towards my friend and, uh, you know, uh, they argued for about a minute because because this guy was like, the truck, he's like, the truck's going to blow up um, the fire. The flames were going up this telephone pole, like 25 feet in the air. <gasps> and we have it on we have it on video uh, from the when the police, uh, the fire trucks got there. You can oh, see this. Wow. These flames are out of control. And so they argued because he's like, the car's going to blow up. You have to leave him. You have to leave him. And um, eventually he came and, you know, my friend said, I'm not letting I'm not I'm not leaving. This is my brother. You've got to help me. And he finally came and helped pull me out of the truck. Wow. So then you got pulled out of the truck. And what happened next? Because obviously, if the car, if the truck's going to blow up, you're not going to just sit like five or ten people or five or ten feet from the truck. Where did they right. pull you to? So they pulled me to, it was, we were in this like a soybean field. And so Matt and the stranger, I call him the stranger in the book. Uh, his name is John Kirby. And they helped pull me away from the truck. And then John was doing circles around the truck, celebrating uh, that they had gotten me out of the truck. Um, and we're not sure he may not have been sober. Um, and so we think he left the scene <laughs> of the accident. <laughs> we think he left the scene of the accident pretty quickly after that. Um, and so it was just Matt, uh, my friend Matt and me in the field uh, by ourselves. And Matt was kneeling down next to me. And he had been praying the whole time uh, when he was pulling on me. He had been you know, praying like, Jesus, like, help us. Like, I need I need I can't do this alone. And he said he felt like there was an angel sitting and kind of bearing silent witness in the passenger seat because everything was on fire in this cloth interior truck except for this one spot in the passenger seat and um and so anyhow everybody's gone now we're in the field 
and Matt said he had one hand on my chest and the other hand lifted to the sky and um, was was uh, was was praying and he said he saw uh, a figure walking towards him through this bean field and he said it was uh, he was wearing like he had a description like button down shirt black pants like black doctor's bag and he said it was wow. Jesus walking towards him and which I know to people that are listening you know yeah I, I was this was a lot for me to take in, but Matt's not a weird spiritual guy. Um, you know, uh, in fact, he's, he's, uh, he, he's got incredible faith. And in that moment, he said, Jesus was kneeling down across from him. And he said, it was like, he like lifted his head up and said, Mike's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And he said, in that moment, it was wow. like, he opened up this doctor's bag and was healing me in the middle of that field. Wow. And when he told you this, where were you at when you heard this story? This would have been six weeks after um, my accident. So I was in a drug-induced coma for about six weeks. Um, and wow. then, uh, yeah, was was still in the hospital for another six weeks after that. But um, it was a lot to take in. And plus the brain injury, I couldn't tell him how many sides were on a triangle when I woke up. Uh, so it was a pretty bad uh, brain injury that I... Uh, dealt with in many ways in remediation for the next 12 years after the accident. And he told you this, did, did you like feel like, wow, I can remember this? Or did you have any like flashbacks at all of someone coming or laying hands on you or talking to you while you were laying down, you know, potentially like, you know, being on fire and everything? Mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I really, I don't have any memories of anything. Um, and wow. the only thing that I have is the stories that everyone shared, not just Matt, but people in through my hospital experience and um, many other things that happened that just rem reminded me that God had been with me through that whole experience. And um but it really started a process, Annie, of me trying to look for Jesus and like where mm -hmm. over the next 20 years uh, since the accident, it was like, OK, so this is a pretty crazy story, God. But like I know Matt saw you with his eyes, you know, but, um, you know, can you show me can, I, I want to see with my eyes, too, you know, or I just need you to show me that you're real and it was a long right. journey, but um, I always believed it, but, but I, uh, it, it wasn't always easy as I worked through some of the trauma after, and, and trauma I know is a word that's overused sometimes, but I, it was traumatic. And so working through that, um, I was always kind of on the hunt for like, God, what do you want to do with my life? And why did you save me from this terrible experience? So can you tell us about that? Like you woke up and you heard that Jesus was there and how did that help your recovery? Because if you knew he was there, you know, Mike, you knew he was there and you believed your friends, you think you're, you said your friend's not crazy. Mm -hmm. Was this a factor in your recovery? Or do, do you think, because I heard another, someone said another story about when they saw you, it looked like your legs were cut off. Mm -hmm. And you look like you were dead, basically DOA. Mm -hmm. It was a no chance in you know what, I'll mm -hmm. just say it, hell 
that you mm-hmm. could be alive right now. Right. Uh, what? How did this help your recovery, knowing that your friend really saw Jesus? You know, it uh, it helped inc- increase my faith, strengthen my faith for sure. Um, but I'm just like anybody else where I have questions and I have doubt and, and faith really isn't faith if you don't have any doubt. Right. So, um, in, you know, we don't get to have a lot of answers given to us this side of heaven, you know, and um, so that's part of the reason I wrote this book was I wanted people to know what I had gone through outside of the story. You know, in fact, the way this all started, Annie, is that somebody had heard about my accident and they wanted to make a movie about it. And it was it was all focused on this accident scene. And I and mm. I thought I thought, you know, no, there's way more to this story. And I want people to hear it from the perspective of the guy that hears all this crazy, wonderful stuff. But but what did I wrestle with after that? And so that's why I wrote the book. And the one defining moment I'll share from that wasn't too far after the accident was um you know, uh, well, two things. One you just mentioned was meeting John Kirby, the guy that had helped Matt pull me out of the truck. I got to meet him two or three months after the accident at a Red Cross uh, event for, they were being honored for the courage that they displayed in saving me. And he was the one that saw me and he saw me from across the room and kind of went pale, you know, and he said, there's just no way you're alive. He's like, your, your chest was caved in, your legs were severed, your head was bashed in. He's like, you were dead. You know, and uh, hands on fire. Um, So uh, that was a that was definitely a moment that, um, you know, I'll never forget. And then the second moment was when uh, there's a chapter in the book called Jesus in the Junkyard. And I'd asked my dad if we could go see my truck and we go to we go to the truck. I go with Matt and my brother and my my dad and um, some of the guys that were close to me at the time. And we're taking pictures and everything of the truck and Matt's Matt's humming because of he's just trying to process all of this. I think he was pretty emotionally yeah. traumatized afterwards. Anyway, I look inside the truck and the first thing I see, um, everything is charred and completely destroyed. But the first thing mm-hmm. I see is that my steering wheel had melted in the center of the steering wheel. It had melted into the shape of a crucifix, the shape of a wow. cross. I took a picture no of that, way. and I think I sent that picture to you uh, because okay, uh, that was a <laughs> life-defining moment where it was like I went searching for Jesus and where he had been that night, and it was like he's in the center of the steering wheel. He had been with me the whole time. Mm. Wow. So, so how has your faith increased? Do you feel like your faith's increased because of what's happened to you? And how could you encourage someone right now? Can you talk to us and tell us, because we have about six minutes left, of someone that's struggling right now, because you know as well as I do, Mike, there's people out there struggling right now. They're like, well, I wish I had an experience like Annie. I wish I had an experience like Mike. But can Mm -hmm. you encourage that person today that's stuck in that middle place that they just don't feel like God's there or think that Jesus is with them? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think my encouragement would be that God is with you, even even if you don't see him. And no matter what you've been through or what you're going through, God's got a purpose and a plan for your life and for your story and um, for your exact story. And, and, and for with the with the pain that you that you in particular have experienced, God has a plan for you. 
and he uses all of us and uh, you know god uses who god uses which you know in my story that's why this stranger um was just on his way home from a night and maybe he was partying or whatever he didn't know he was going to come across uh you know this this uh, night where he'd seen me and he, but he did step in and I owe my life just as much to my, my friend. I owe my life to John Kirby, who was a stranger in that moment. And so my point is I haven't ever actually got to see John Kirby since that night at the red cross event, but oh. I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for John. And I don't know anything about his story. I don't know anything about the pain that he's lived or endured, but I do know that now I have three kids, you know, I've got a beautiful wife and family life hasn't always been easy. Um, I mean, far from it. Um, and I've experienced trauma and loss in my life from mm. a, a close family member that, that took his life. Um, and, and that really was the catalyst for me writing this book that because on my birthday in 2017, a close family member took his life and I'm so sorry. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's, uh, you know, I think I just wanted people to know that God's got a purpose for you. You know, he's, yeah, he, uh, he's bigger than, he's bigger than your, um, than anything you've, you've uh, faced. He's bigger than that. And he can use you and your story. And it's because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in each of us, which is just mm. mind boggling, but, uh, it's powerful. And it makes, it makes every single conversation that we have an important one because God's not done with you yet until you take your last breath. Uh, God's not done with you yet. Yeah, that, that really resonates, I think, with a lot of people because, Mike, there's so much pain, you know, as well as I do, even as a believer, a Christian. Some people look at us like we're crazy, but I'd rather mm -hmm. believe than not believe. What could we do if our lives didn't have Christ in them? Because I honestly, I wouldn't be here I don't mm -hmm. know if you'd be here right now if mm -hmm. you didn't have Jesus. Uh, so tell people how, if they want to reach you, uh, if they want to maybe email you or go to your website or your social media contacts, how they can get a hold of you to read your, I want them to get your book because yes, they need um, that book in their hand. They need to read this experience. It's enough. Mm -hmm. To me, we can talk about it, but I want them to have that book in their hands. Where can they go? So you can go to MikeKinneyStory.com um, and it will have links to all of my socials, um, you know, Facebook slash Mike Kinney Story. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to, I'm on Twitter and I'm on uh, uh, some others as well, you know, but uh, my- Is it Mike Story uh, at Twitter? Did you say Mike Story? My, yeah, Twitter. Yeah, my Twitter handle is Mike Kinney Story. Mike uh, Kinney my Story, okay. handle is Mike Kinney Story. And, you know, and then you can go to uh, Google. You can Google Mike Kinney out of the fire and my book will pop up on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble. Um, it is available on audiobook. It's not my voice. My wife was like, She's like, he sounds like he should be doing a murder mystery book, the guy that narrated it. But he did a great job. And and I know not everybody uh, likes to read books. I'm not actually a big book reader myself. I'm an audiobook guy. So, you know, oh, but I'm I an audiobook girl, that, too. <laughs> you know, I think the message, though, I'm just so thrilled that God gave me. Well, you have to read the book, but that God gave me the opportunity to share my story 
um, in this full circle moment that was 20 years after my accident is just incredible. And there's some there's some really important people, you know, that are in the book that helped just drive, I think, the whole theme of the book home that, that God is with you, uh, even when you don't believe it, even when you don't see it. He's right. real and uh, he loves you and he's got a purpose and plan for your life. And it's exciting. It's a it's a good plan, um, even if it doesn't seem like that right now. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today, Mike. And I just want to just uh, wish you the best luck with this book and, you know, blessings that a lot of people read it. And listen, you know what? You might be today by our audience listening and watching. I want to say this, be snatching someone out of the fire right now with your story. So friends, don't give up. Thank you, Mike, so much for coming on Annie's Pink Chair today. It's been a pleasure, and I can't wait to hear what God does with this book. God bless you. Thank you so much, Annie. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. Hi, my name is Annie Lobert, and right now we're standing at the Destiny House, and this is a place where ladies can come and heal from the ravages of sex trafficking and trauma, complex trauma that is very common with each survivor that gets out of trafficking. We just love this property because it's a place of peace. A lot of people say to me, Annie, you know, trafficking really doesn't affect me. I don't know why you're even doing this. Well, listen, it's in your own backyard. It's in Las Vegas, but it's also in Los Angeles. It's also in Dallas. It's also in Chicago. It's also in Minneapolis. It's also in New York. It's in Florida. It's in every state in our country. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a place where ladies can come and get the healing that they truly need. And we are survivor-led, and it's so important that you join us in this fight. This is something you can become a monthly partner with. People say, well, I want to be involved. I want to volunteer. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, yes, we'd love for you to volunteer, but you know what we need more? We need partners like you to step up and stand with our ladies and say, I believe in your now. I believe in your healing and your future. And here's my $20 a month. Here's my $50 a month. Here's my $500 a month to go towards your healing, to go towards your trauma therapy, to go towards your cooking classes, to go towards your job readiness classes, to go towards your college. This is what I want to give as a gift to these wonderful human beings that are being restored from the horrible ravages of trafficking. Give us a support because we are in need of monthly donors just like you. And by you giving a dollar or more or a thousand dollars from a dollar to 10,000, whatever that looks like, you are going to be changing someone's lives and our lives that we work with are precious. Please join us today and go to pinkchair.org, click on donate. Join us in the fight against sex trafficking. Hi friends, let me read you part of my book about my story, Becoming a Trafficking Victim in Las Vegas. The Skyway Lounge in downtown Minneapolis was a happening strip joint. Slick businessmen in fancy suits strolled in for lunch and after work, Ties loosened, money rolling, the tips were great, the best in the area, and dancers lined up to work at this place. I was lucky to be a regular. One Saturday night, I was dancing to Prince's Kiss. Giving some special customers a little extra glimpse of skin when in walked a man who caught my attention. The bright lights illuminating the catwalk stage couldn't distract me from how gorgeous he was. A cross between young Billy D. Williams and Denzel Washington, he wore a gray tweed suit and pointy loafers. He walked confidently, light and smooth, his jerry curl pulled back in a sleek ponytail. My friends, this is my book 
fallen out of the sex industry and into the arms of the Savior. And this is the story of me being turned into a sex trafficking slave in Minneapolis, Hawaii, and Las Vegas, my final destination. This teaches you about trafficking and how it can happen in your own backyard. You think it can't happen to you? Think it can't happen to your girlfriend or your child, your granddaughter, your niece, even your nephew? It can, my friends. If you're interested in this, this is going to help you learn about this, but it's also going to give you a call to the charge. You can simply go to pinkchair.org, click on the book to purchase it. and You can help us help others get out of trafficking. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.